Welcome to the Morning Magazine here on KGNU. It's Friday, March 3rd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear from two sisters. One, a former BVSD teacher and another, a famous singer, who will be presenting their children's book this weekend at Boulder's Jewish Community Center. Jimmy Searfoss will bring us his weekly regional sports roundup and... Spring is in the air for the first Friday in March. We'll take you for a walk in the natural world on the Nature Almanac. At the bottom of the hour, Connections comes your way, this week with Fiona Foster. Then at 9.30, Dave McIntyre will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still ahead, but first, these headlines with KGNU's Stacy Johnson. A state house committee has rejected a bill that would have required a so-called fair work week policy in large restaurants and certain other businesses. The House Business Affairs and Labor Committee rejected the bill yesterday by a vote of 8 to 2. House Bill 231118 would have required restaurants, retail, and food production establishments with more than 250 employees to provide work schedules 14 days in advance. Had it passed, Colorado would have become only the second state to enact such a scheduling law. Supporters said knowing schedules two weeks ahead of time would give workers more control over their lives. Opponents, led by the state's restaurant industry, said the bill's policies were too burdensome. Six women have filed a class action lawsuit alleging that a Boulder psychologist has repeatedly and deliberately omitted allegations of domestic violence in his reports to Colorado family courts. The lawsuit filed yesterday in Boulder County District Court is asking for certification as a class action, naming about 60 mothers with similar complaints against Boulder psychologist Mark Kilmer. The lawsuit alleges that Kilmer exhibited systematic bias while serving as a parental responsibility evaluator for Colorado Family Courts. Kilmer has not yet commented on the lawsuit. The Denver Gazette reports that in an earlier interview with ProPublica, he said he disbelieves 90% of the abuse allegations he hears as an evaluator. Composting in Boulder is about to become more restrictive. It has changed to only allow plants, food waste, and yard trimmings. KGNU's Jack Armstrong has more. As of this coming April 1st, the company that recycles compost for Boulder residents and businesses will no longer accept certain biodegradable materials. A1 Organics says that after that date, they will only accept food scraps, yard waste, plant trimmings, and the bags that are certified as composter approved. They call it an effort to minimize contamination in composted materials. Products thought to be eco-friendly will no longer be accepted for A1 Organics compost. The company says that even though certain products are made from plant fibers or starches, they don't break down at their composting facility in Keensburg. These include things that might be labeled as compostable, such as tea bags, coffee filters, and disposable cutlery. The A1 Organics policy change comes as Boulder continues its effort to become a zero-waste municipality by 2025. For KGNU, I'm Jack Armstrong. The Colorado Department of Transportation says road crews will close southbound U.S. Highway 287 tomorrow between Lamont and Lafayette at the Colorado Highway 52 intersection. The closure begins at 4 a.m. and continues through 3 p.m. Sunday. The agency says the closure is necessary for crews to perform irrigation pipe work as part of the intersection improvement project that began in January. 
During the closure, CDOT will direct southbound traffic west on Colorado 52 to West 95th Street, south to Lookout Road, and east for a return to US 287. The Colorado Auto Theft Prevention Authority has announced it's accepting applications for financial aid to assist vehicle owners in covering the costs associated with replacing stolen catalytic converters. The application period runs until the end of this month. Vehicle owners can apply online or call 303-239-4370 for more information. The authority is encouraging eligible applicants to apply early as the agency has limited first-time funds. The Aurora City Council has voted to limit lawn watering to two days a week. The vote on Monday approves a Stage 1 drought status and comes as Aurora reservoirs are half empty and its snowpack is decreasing. The City Council vote also adds a surcharge for outdoor water use. Water managers fear the state's third largest city may approach emergency conditions this summer. Aurora Water General Manager Marshall Brown told council members that a quarter of Aurora's supply comes from the Arkansas River Basin, which is reportedly only 77% of the average snowpack and no promising forecasts for the rest of the year. Brown also told council members the city's reservoirs are already low from years of drought and there will be less than 50% of reservoir capacity by the time spring runoff refills them. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says skies will be partly sunny with a high of 50 degrees for Denver, 49 degrees for Boulder, and mostly cloudy skies and a high of 48 for Fort Collins. There is a chance of rain and snow in the afternoon hours with a 40% chance of precipitation. Total daytime snow accumulation of less than a half an inch possible. Tonight, there is a 40% chance of snow before midnight. Fort Collins will have a low of, of around 17 degrees. Boulder will have a low of 21 degrees and a low of 23 degrees for Denver. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. On this program, we interview a lot of authors about their books, but not so much when it comes to children's books. Today is going to be an exception because we're going to be talking about Loud Mouse, a book by sisters Kara Menzel and Edina Menzel. They'll be presenting their book at the Jewish Community Center in Boulder this Sunday afternoon. Karen Adita, join me now from Los Angeles. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Oh, doing well. Hello, Boulder. <laughs> well, first, I have to ask a question that I'm sure you get all the time. You're sisters, but you spell your last names differently. Why is that? That's on me. Um, <laughs> when I was... Uh, young, um, when was I in college? And I knew I wanted to be um, a successful performer. I didn't love the way our last name was spelled. And I thought people would mess it up. And so I thought Menzel sounded like French or something, I don't know, cooler. But, um, but then so I've kept that the whole time. Wait, so, you, so you took the T out. So I took the T out. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And then um and then, of course, my name has been royally screwed up on a global level. <laughs> but um, and then we did this book together and um, I said, Kara, can't you just people are going to get confused. Can't you just say your name is spelled like that? And she's like, no, I didn't change my spelling. Name. This is who I am. And I said, 
Okay. So then um, that's that's why it's like that. Okay. Well, I got, I got worried too, because, you know, when you're a teacher, if you change your last name, then sometimes kids come back to find you and they can't find you <laughs> because your, your name has been changed. So um, I taught in Boulder Valley for a long time and I, I didn't want to, you know, it's not like one letter would, would be, you know, too hard to find, but still. Okay. Well, I often speak with authors who are in town or coming to Boulder as part of book tours, but this is the first time I've interviewed authors on tour with a children's picture book. So what brings you to Boulder? So I lived in Boulder for most of my adult life and I raised a bunch of boys there, a Brady bunch of boys. And I just recently left in August, um, to come out here and be with my sister and my nephew because my boys are grown, so grown. And I taught in Boulder Valley for almost 15 years. So, and somehow managed to get second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and then, um, literacy, you know, all the above. So, um, yeah. And we have free housing because our mom lives in Louisville. Yes. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Sorry. <laughs> Louisville. Yeah. So we also have a mother who's very excited um, that, that we're, we're coming to the Jewish Community Center. <laughs> Adina, I, you have a successful career in the performing arts. You're a Tony Award winning singer. You've performed on Broadway and at the Oscars and at the Super Bowl. But I think kids and parents probably know your work from one very specific role, and that is as the voice of Elsa in the Disney animated movies Frozen and Frozen 2. So what made you go, hmm, I think I want to write storybooks with my sister now. Um, I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but for whatever reason, there's this really nice pattern of characters that I've been asked to play from my rent days to Wicked playing the green girl to Elsa and Frozen these young people that are really that have an intense power that they're not really sure how to harness and release into the world and so I feel like in a way I've been given this gift to promote that message in my life, whether or not I've drawn it to me or because of how I sing and how I perform or if it's just happenstance. But for whatever reason, that feels like the journey that I'm on. And now that I'm a mom, I also see that in the way I'm parenting and what I want to um, put out there in the world for my son. So it all sort of ties together and it just felt like the natural next step. Do you ever find yourself torn between wanting to relate to kids who absolutely know your Disney work and not wanting to suspend their belief in an animated character? <laughs> well, I uh, sometimes I just don't want to traumatize them because they <laughs> they think my voice comes from a very skinny, blonde woman, girl, and then their parents force them in front of me. This is Elsa. And I'm a 50 year old woman with brown hair and much more voluptuous. Um, so I'm like, yes, it's me, but don't freak out your kid, you know. Um, but then other times it's really been nice. And this kind of goes in line with what the book is about in a way is that I've always wanted to 
make sure that my voice was my own, you know, that I really, through all the lessons I've taken, all my experience, that if you listened to me, you knew it was me. And so um, I'm finding more, uh, finding recently that people come to me and they'll say, um, my kid was listening to your new song from Enchanted or something in the car. And they said, oh, that's Elsa singing. Yeah. So, and I think with social media now, you can also see a split screen a lot of times where I'm actually, you see me and you see Elsa. So that's worked in my favor. Whereas there's been lots of Disney princesses in the past that probably didn't get as much attention as, as I have because people only knew their voice and not their face. Since Loud Mouse is geared towards children in kindergarten and first grade, I had my first grader read the book to help me see it through the eyes of a six-year-old. That said, most of his questions were about the meaning of the words used by the teacher in the book, the teacher who likes to use big words. <laughs> but another question is this. There's a song that D the Loud Mouse sings in the book. How does that song sound when it's sung? <laughs> well, you want to talk about that a we little love, bit? I'll talk about it, but I won't sing it. You'll sing it. Um, the, uh, we talked about that when we decided to put a refrain in the book. We, it, it was for multiple reasons. One was it, it just made sense because because um, Dina Menzel is co-author. And, and I always think everything through melody. That's just the way I think of life but go ahead yeah no so um and I love that um I as a literacy teacher I love the idea of incorporating music into stories because it helps young readers access text it helps them remember um print and feel a part of the it helps them be more engaged in the reading process um so I'd love that too um and the repetition the repetition of it happening several times over and through the course of the book um, helps them remember it. But we had a, we had a little thing cause I was like, just, just don't make it something that's going to be hard for me to sing for everyone, for everybody to sing, for moms to sing, for teachers to sing. But mostly I was worried about myself that this, I'm going to be going to schools or whatever, doing this book and I'm going to have trouble singing the refrain because my sister Elsa is sings it. Um, so Anyway, that's where that's where that came from. And how it goes is however you want it to go. Yeah, but I'm not trying to song. intimidate anybody. It's just it's there if you want it or make it up on your own. It doesn't matter. It's just that the la 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 loud part has to be loud. That's <laughs> yes. the only part that has to be. Well, Dina, do you have a way that you have it sung in your head? I do. I put we put out a recording of the song, just so you know. <laughs> you could you could play it. <laughs> it's called the Loud Mouth Song. Yeah, if you do want to find sh- it. You can Spotify. stream it. Yeah, and when if you come to the JCC or you see us at any of these schools, um, you will we will sing it and um, we will conduct it and teach it to the kids and and it's been a real source of joy for us as we tour the the, the country and the world with Loud Mouth. <laughs> I have been speaking with sisters Kara Mensell and Adina Mensell. They co-authored a book they will be presenting in person this Sunday at the Jewish Community Center in Boulder. The presentation starts at 3 p.m. Thank you both for speaking with me today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. You are listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm your host, Shannon Young. We'll be right back after this quick break.
Some of the world's best ski racers are in Colorado this week to compete in the Audi FIS Ski World Cup stop at Aspen Mountain. Men's downhill races will take place Friday and Saturday with a Super G on Sunday. Before the competition begins, though, several of the athletes are making time to meet with some pint-sized fans. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Kaya Williams reports. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, first you have to get really quiet so I can talk and then you move. This is U.S. Ski Team member Eric Arvidsson. What's up, Aspen Elementary? And this is just about every student at Aspen Elementary School. Giggling, wiggling children filled the seats of the District Theater last Friday with cheers and excitement for a presentation with five current members of the men's U.S. ski team. Arvidsson joined his teammates Bryce Bennett, Jared Goldberg, Sam Morse, and Kyle Negamir on the stage to talk about their favorite snacks, mountains, and skiing advice. Here's Morse with some tips for combating the pre-race jitters. Do you guys know what it feels like to be like nervous? So believe it or not, we still get nervous. And for me, in the start, I feel that nervous energy, but I try to channel it like in a positive way, like that I'm excited to do this, not that I'm scared to do it. Local extreme skier Chris Davenport moderated the panel and helped the audience ask some tough questions. Can you ski as fast as a cheetah can run? Can you ski as fast as a cheetah can run? How fast does a cheetah run? There won't be any cheetahs on the America's Downhill course at Ajax this weekend, but spectators can watch the skiers for free from the grandstands near the Shadow Mountain Lift, also known as Lift 1A, and from some spots on the sidelines of the course. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. Up next is Sports Talk with Jimmy Searfoss. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with lack of sports knowledge? Have your doctor prescribe you Sports Talk with Jimmy on Friday mornings on KGNU. Hello and welcome to Sports Talk here on KGNU, the best sports show on the station. I'm your host, Jimmy Searfoss, coming at you with the best stories and news from across the front range. I apologize for missing this last week. Something about this season has got to me, and I have gotten sick so many times, and I know a lot of other people that have been as well. So make sure y'all are taking care of yourselves out there. Eat those multivitamins, drink your water, and make sure we're washing our hands all right. So first of all, the story I've got for you guys today comes out of Boulder, Colorado, at the University of Colorado. And no, it's not a Deion Sanders story. I know you guys are getting plenty of those. What I wanted to talk about today is one of Colorado's better sports programs. They're track and field teams. They're sending three athletes to the NCAA Track and Field Indoor National Championships. Graduate transfer Ella Baran qualified through the women's 5,000 meter run. Senior Avery McMullen will be there for the pentathlon, but the guy I wanted to talk about today is true freshman Isaiah Givens. See, Givens did something pretty incredible recently. In the Husky Classic that lasted from February 10th through the 11th up at the University of Washington, he became the youngest Buffalo to ever run a sub-four mile. He did it in 3 minutes, 59 seconds, and 57 milliseconds. And that's 
pretty dang impressive and should be a highlight of his freshman resume. If only he didn't go on to top that. On February 25th, he went even further and broke Colorado's record for the fastest mile by nearly a second. He ran it in 3 minutes, 55 seconds, and 99 milliseconds. The kid's a freshman. The dude's going through his first year of college and he's already breaking university records. He ran that first three quarters of that race in three minutes. And then he clocked in that last lap at 56 seconds. He turned on the afterburners. That means he was racing and hovering around 15 miles per hour on average the whole time. You can't even go that fast in some neighborhoods. And of course, he won the race. He took that lead early and just did not look back. The previous time was actually set by Eduardo Herrera, someone who's still there at CU and another great dominant runner. He posted the mile time of 3 minutes, 57 seconds, and 16 milliseconds in the same competition actually in the last year. Now Givens has his sights set on the big race, the indoor championships. They're going to take place at College Station in Texas on March 10th and 11th. Make sure you guys are keeping updated on it through Colorado's social media and the sports and information department because you never know what this guy might do. And that, my friends, is all I've got to talk to you all about today. Thank you guys for tuning in here on this fine Friday morning. And make sure you all are staying safe and healthy. And while you're at it, stick around here on KGNU for more good stuff to listen to. This has been Sports Talk with Jimmy. I've been your host, Jimmy Searfoss. Make sure you tune in again next week at this same time for more. But for now, I'll leave you all with a happy Friday. Time now to hit the trails with our monthly edition of Nature Almanac. It's March. What's happening in the natural world? Here are Boulder naturalists Scott Sievers and Ruth Carol Cushman. We're walking on the Heatherwood Trail on a cold, gray, cloudy day. Right now there's a lot of melted and refrozen snow on the trail, so we're making a lot of crunchy noise as we walk. This trail comes right along Boulder Creek, which is a mecca for bird watching. We're watching a Drake Mallard right in the creek, having a little bath. Mallards, when the sun hits that emerald green, are just absolutely gorgeous. Keeping feathers clean is an essential part of flight. If your feathers are dirty, your feathers aren't going to retain and push the air around like you need to. A male red-winged blackbird, they're among the earliest birds to set up territories. I occasionally hear red wings throughout the winter, but we're beginning to hear more of them. Most of them will be on territories mid-March. Oh, look at this. Look at that falcon. It missed. It was at full speed chasing a small bird. We're hearing a song sparrow over here. Different trills and buzzes. Song sparrows will sing throughout the winter, but the increase in song is correlated to increasing day length. So as day length increases, the hormones and the birds increase and they start singing more. Look at the mallards here. The drake is doing a courtship dance for the female in the water. <laughs> 
he's bobbing his head up and down like a funky chicken. Bob, 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 bob. Oh, oh they're mating. It's an early time to mate. He did a little dance and then they mated in the water. Ruth Carol Cushman and Scott Seavers are friends and Boulder naturalists. That's all for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Shannon Young. Thanks to Stacy Johnson, Jack Armstrong, Juanito Ortano, Alexis Kenyon, Kaya Williams, Jimmy Searfoss, and Shelley Schlinder for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for Connections. That's coming up just after these news headlines from the BBC.